how very much I've loved you. How very much I've tried my best to give you the good life. This week in crime. another episode of strange talk podcast well this is supposed to be a this week in crime episode but unfortunately when i went i actually recorded everything i recorded almost up to an hour of content i had all the news articles that i had for you guys and everything but for some reason um when i actually was going to edit all the audio i was trying to put it together and when i listened to the audio it was just dead silence I could not figure out why. I thought it was an issue with my microphone. I thought it was an issue with uh, my computer. I did not know what the issue was, but it turns out, it turns out that for whatever reason, the website that I use to host my podcast, Anchor, every time I go to record, because I record through Anchor and then I edit my audio through Audacity. That's how I get everything to sound the way it sounds. It doesn't sound super professional, but I do like to say it sounds better than a lot of other am- of amateur podcasts out there. I hate to sound so cocky if that sounds cocky, but you know, that's that's what I do. And unfortunately, uh, for some reason, the issue that why there wasn't any sound <laughs> picking up from my microphone wasn't because anything was wrong with it. It was just simply because for some reason there's like a bug or something with Anchor where when you hit record you get options of the type of microphone devices that you use it it will detect the devices that you have and i do have more than one microphone i have my headset that i use for gaming when i play on the computer and then i have my actual microphone that i use to record the audio for podcasts and podcasting and all that stuff well for some reason it was detecting another microphone that i don't have connected And it was for some reason using that. And I didn't realize until I actually sat down and tried to look for the problem. And for some reason, every time I went to go hit record, it would just change it. Um, I finally fixed the issue, which is why I'm recording right now at four o'clock in the morning, unfortunately. (laughs) But I'm fine with staying awake because it doesn't matter because I usually get off work at 3.30 in the morning. So I'm used to staying up. I'm the type of person that can be up. I can't you know, wake up early in the morning. I'm not a morning person at all. Um, but I was, I was like, before I even like, when I realized that all the shit that I had for you guys with the, this week in crime episode, I thought like, fuck that sucks because almost an hour worth of content just wasted on nothing because all you hear is just dead silence. And I thought as a stupid joke, I would just put up an episode of just a whole almost hour of just dead silence and so that people could be like what the fuck what happened to the episode i don't know how many people would actually reach out to me and be like well what's going on do you know there's something wrong but um that actually be a pretty funny april fool's joke um but i was gonna like re-record the episode but to be honest with you i was just like oh, all that stuff that i have talked about and everything just sounded perfect I really don't want to redo it again because I feel like it's just going to be because I'm pissed off at the fact that all of it just got lost and there was no sound. I was, It probably wouldn't have sound good or anything. So I was just like, fuck it. I'm not going to do that episode. I'm not going to do it. But then I thought like, fuck, if I don't put anything out, 
I'm going to just go back to that habit of where I wasn't putting anything out for a good while. Cause I would say like, I think it was the whole month of June. I didn't really put anything out because I was just stressed out from work. I was just tired of stuff going on in my life and stuff. So I wasn't really producing any episodes. So <laughs> that was a pretty, that was like my dry period for podcasting and everything. It sounds kind of gross, but what I am deciding to do is have like a mini episode just to make up for the fact that I really don't want to go through all the articles, but a big thank you to Rocky, the collector, because for those of you that don't know, Rocky, the collector who has his own podcast called the collection. So check it out, go give him a follow. He's actually doing the episode for me on, it's going to be for next week. And the topic of that episode is snuff. Now there's a lot of stuff that we found out about, that we didn't really even mention in the episode because there's just so much we had. It was kind of like our brains were just overloaded with all the shit that has to do with just snuff films in general. And if you don't know what a snuff film is, a snuff film is basically a film that's made where the person that's acting in the film is unknowingly going to be killed. He doesn't know. He just thinks he's just acting in a movie, but he actually ends up being killed for real. And that film is met, is produced so that way they can make a profit off of it. It is simply made for the purpose of entertainment and profit. Now, by that definition of snuff, technically snuff films don't exist. They do and they don't, only because of the technicality of the definition that snuff defines itself. But murderers and serial killers have been recording themselves doing horrible things to their victims for a good while now, and we all know about it. We've all seen videos of, like, say, um, one lunatic one ice pick if you haven't seen that video please don't go out and look at it if you want if you're really morbidly curious to see that shit then by all means go and watch it but it's not for the faint of heart we've seen uh the cartel videos i know i have seen the cartel videos we do mention those in that episode Um, but those would technically count as snuff it's just they weren't made for the sole purpose of gaining any type of money but uh, it is a snuff film because you are watching somebody dying. And technically, they know that they're going to die. So that's also why it's not a snuff film, too. Um, but except for this other person, the one lunatic, one ice pick video, that guy. I mean, I, I imagine he knew that he was going to die. It was just kind of like, you know, type of thing where you're probably thinking, like, please just let me go, begging for your life type of thing. But, yeah, I digress. What I'm I'm going to talk to you about is about when we were doing, when me and the Rocky Collector were doing the research, because I have him on that episode. He's actually a special guest on that episode. I don't know if I mentioned that already. My mind's just kind of going everywhere with this because there's just so much to talk about. I'm not going to be talking about anything snuff-related per se. It is only snuff-somewhat-related because of what I'm going to be discussing about two individuals that I'm going to be focusing on for today's case. So it's not going to be a This Week in Crime per se. It is simply going to be a mini episode. Okay. I'm going to be talking about two cases of people that we briefly mentioned in the episode of Snuff in next week's episode. So if you want to hear more about Snuff, and I know you do, stay tuned till next week's episode. But let's begin. Shall we? So this first case I'm going to be discussing is of a person named Matthew David Graham, and he was just 18 when his life took a very dark turn. The final year Epping Secondary College schoolboy was living with his family in South Meringue, on the northernmost suburb edge of Melbourne. He had no criminal record and no particular behavioral or academic issues. 
Graham was heavily into the online fantasy game World of Warcraft and was exploring the edgy and occasional illegal posts on website 4chan. If you don't know what 4chan is, 4chan is basically uh, Reddit's criminal cousin, distant cousin that you don't, that your mom probably tells you don't really talk to, that we don't really talk to that part of a family. That's what 4chan is. <laughs> and um, 4chan is basically a meeting place for young hackers, trolls, and anarchists, and meme makers, and misfits. Then, in October of 2011, the hacking group known as Anonymous announced on 4chan that they were launching a they were launching cyber attacks on a large darknet child porn site called Lolita City. Like all of the sites Graham would soon become involved in, it was only accessible using Tor software. Tor software, which renders browsing invisible and unlocks sites, lists, galleries, shops, and forums, and the hidden wiki. Not available to mere clearnet, which is basically us that use the ordinary internet. Anonymous, which had already hacked Sony, the Scientologists, and the Recording Industry Association of America, wanted to bring down the service and expose its users to police. In Anonymous's view, and in their opinion, Tor's ability to hide internet users should not be extended to child pornography. Anonymous called it Operation Darknet, and Graham, browsing 4chan as Year 12 wound down, was intrigued. He had never heard of Tor or Lorlita City before. Anonymous did bring it down, but only briefly. Since then, it's now been permanently closed, though, however. When he looked, when Matthew Graham looked, however, he discovered the worst and most secretive creatures on the internet those who make and trade in child pornography. The great irony was that he was led there by the very people who were trying to expose it as evil. <laughs> it is kind of ironic. Then, though, Matthew Graham went on a whole lot further. As he moved from high school to La Trobe University, where he was a nanotechnology student, Graham was, from his bedroom at home, going on to become the king of his dark domain. On Wednesday, Graham, now 22, admitted in the Melbourne Magistrates, Magistrates Court that he set up and administered an extensive empire of hidden darknet websites and online forums for pedophiles. Some featured real-life torture and horrific sexual acts with children, including babies and toddlers, a genre known as hurtcore, and beyond the pale, even for most pedophiles. Okay, now... To explain in a, in a more, if I can explain it any further, this type of pedophiles that I'm going to be discussing are into a genre called hurtcore. Hurtcore is basically where the sadistic pedophiles that simply gain pleasure from inflicting horrific acts on children. These are the type of pedophiles that go to hurtcore. Regular pedophiles, okay. They're already sick in just what they do already. They don't like these type of pedophiles. That's how fucked up this subgenre of pedophiles are, that regular pedophiles don't even like them. They don't want to be associated with them. So prospective members, okay, prospective members needed to provide a defined amount of original video content in order to even join Matthew Graham's website. In other words, in order to even join and become a user 
of Matthew Graham's website, you had to produce your own original content, meaning you actually had to go out and molest a child or do something with the child in order to even become a member of his websites. With names such as Hurt to the Core and Love to the Core. In his first explorations of the darknet, Matthew Graham, going under the username Lux, posted messages on some child pornography forums he found. He told a U.S. journalist last year, as Lux, that he had latent pedophilic feelings as a teenager, but when he discovered the trove of images on the darknet, those feelings began to take hold. At first, I felt ashamed in myself for being attracted to such a thing, but as time went on, I slowly grew more accepting of myself. It wasn't until I came across the Torpedo community that I was able to truly feel comfortable with my attractions. That's what Matthew Graham had told the photojournalist. Police described Graham as non-contact as a non-contact pedophile, meaning that although he allegedly facilitated abuse, he did not physically do it himself. A detective familiar with the two-year investigation by the FBI, Europol, Canadian, and Australian police said Graham was meek and was unlikely to win a battle of wits or anything else. You will find some of them have an inhibition and they've convinced themselves it's wrong for them to abuse children, but it's okay for people to do it, the detective said. So Matthew Graham's justification was that I'm not the one actually physically touching this child. I'm simply just looking at the video and pictures of what this child is enduring. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just fucking jerking off to it. That was what his sick justification was for it. Maybe Graham just didn't feel he had the skills to groom someone, but if you'd left him long enough, he probably would have done it. The U.S. journalist Patrick Howell O'Neill joined pedophile forums to investigate the dark web. He identified himself as a reporter and spoke to members through encrypted emails. Lux saw me t um, talking to his peers and reached out to talk to me, especially because Lux was a notable member of the community, O'Neill said. He described himself to O'Neill as a strong believer in free speech and said that even though he didn't personally like Hurtcore, he defended other people's right to enjoy it. After his initial dabblings in the darknet, Graham found that the pedophile sites he joined had banned Hurtcore. So he set up a suite of sites and forums of his own, hosted at first by a service called Freedom Hosting, which was Tor's most popular hosting service for websites selling drugs and pornography. Freedom Hosting was shut down by the FBI back in 2013. The alleged owner, a 30-year-old Irishman called Eric Owen Marquez, was arrested and awaits trial. Then Graham began hosting his own sites. At the time, he was still living in his family home with his parents in a quiet street in South Morang. They sold the house abruptly last year after their son was charged. The new owners found graffiti scrawled inside a bedroom wardrobe declaring this. This is supposedly what Matthew Graham, allegedly what Matthew Graham had scribbled in graffiti. Parents should be afraid of raising children like us. Least to say, the new homeowners actually painted over that shit. As a babysitter, Graham had direct access to six children, three boys and three girls, all aged under 10. One mother said she felt sick when he was arrested. We've all had to speak to our kids. He was always a bit weird, but you didn't think anything like this. 
A father said I knew him well. He was a good kid. We trusted him. A student who knew Graham at Epping Secondary College said he was a normal student. There wasn't any sign he was troubled or had any issues whatsoever, she had said. Investigators have been able to link Graham to several other notorious online pedophiles, not least accused pedophile, fellow Melbourne man Peter Scully, who is now facing murder, rape, and human trafficking charges in the Philippines. Now, we mentioned in the episode that I did with Rocky the Collector about snuff that's going to be coming out next week on next Wednesday. We do mention a little bit of Peter Scully. I don't know. I don't quite remember if we fully went into detail about what he did, but I do know that Rocky Collector brings up a particular incident that Peter Scully was charged with, and it is very sickening and twisted. So if you're intrigued and morbidly curious and fascinated by what Peter Scully committed, then maybe you're going to want to stay tuned for next Wednesday's episode. He has also been linked to Shannon McCool of Adelaide, otherwise known as Ski, a childcare worker who is now facing 35 years in jail for sexually abusing seven children and running a dark web child pornography site. Matthew Graham also has links to 26-year-old New York man Christopher Grief, known online as Mookie, that's a stupid name, an alleged prolific user of one of Graham's hurtcore sites. Mookie sounds like a fucking like prostitute. <laughs> prostitute's name the continuing investigation into peter scully and a probe into the possible murder of a child in russia rely on material allegedly hosted by matthew graham's websites police said graham was initially investigated by canadian police the fbi and europol before the case was handed to victoria's police task force astria on the australian federal police he was charged in melbourne last year graham Matthew Graham last year turned informer on a Melbourne man who is now jailed. His name hasn't been released because he was charged for abusing a young female relative and filming her. One of the videos, the the girl is holding a sign addressing Lux's username. Well, Matthew Graham's username, Lux. So that's just the first case that I have for you, which is of Matthew David Graham. Now, the other case that I have for you is also one that's... I believe we kind of mentioned, actually, I don't think we mentioned this guy. I think I happened to just see him during the research because he was a person that would frequent Hurtcore, um, well, Hurt to the Core, the website that was created by um, Matthew Graham. Now, what this, this man shares the same name as Matthew Graham. His name is Matthew Alexander Falder. Matthew Alexander Falder was born in Manchester and grew up in Nutsford. <laughs> he attended King's School in Masselsfield, Cheshire, where it was reported that he had excelled and in 2007 was one of the only 4% participants awarded gold in the UK Senior Mathematics Challenge. After school, he attended Clare College of the University of Cambridge, specializing in seismic, seismic oceanography and earning master's and doctoral degrees. At the time of his arrest, he was working as a postdoctoral researcher and lecturer in geophysics at the University of Birmingham. Falder was well-liked in his peer group and was described as being extroverted, funny, and larger than life. So he doesn't really fit, the, I guess, the profile of a regular pedophile, if you will. Falder's offending was detected as long ago as back in 2009. 
He did not actually meet or physically touch any of his victims, mind you, okay? He did not actually touch any of them. He did not actually meet with them or anything. But this is what he committed. Everything was simply done over the dark web. Falder would manipulate young men, women, and children to photograph themselves in compromising positions and then offered the images up online. In April of 2015, the NCA discovered someone posting to the Hurtcore websites under the name 66Devil, who later turned out to be Folder. NCA officers arrested Folder at his place of work on, 20, on the 21st of June of 2017. So this happened two years ago. When they read out a list of the offenses he was suspected of committing, Falder remarked that it sounded like the rap sheet from hell. That is what he said. Falder's victims numbered over 50, and it took over 30 minutes to read out the charges to him at Birmingham Crown Court. Originally charged with 188 offenses, he pled, guilty, he pled not guilty to 51 of them. The prosecution accepted this, but they were ordered to remain on file. Falder used various accounts on several websites to pose as a young girl or woman named Liz. On the dark web, Folder used names such as In the Garden, 666 Devil, and Evil Mind. Falder had 70 different online identities. He would lure people into taking photographs of themselves in humiliating situations, and then Matthew would blackmail one person into raping a four-year-old child. Falder engaged in hurtcore which police have characterized as manipulating others into performing acts of rape, murder, sadism, torture, pedophilia, backmail, I sound like I said back, <laughs> blackmail, humiliation, and degradation. One of Falder's victims was just 14 years old. Falder said online he would mentally fuck her up and added, I am not sure I care if she lives or dies. Falder increased the pressure on his victims at least four of whom attempted suicide. Falder increased the pressure on his victims, at least four of whom attempted suicide. When one of his victims said that it had to stop or they would kill themselves, Falder replied that the images he already had on them would be circulated on the internet anyway. That's how he would blackmail them. Falder maintained he could not be caught and said he did not care if the victims lived or died. In addition to the National Crime Agency, or the NCA, the investigation to uncover his identity involved GCHQ, U.S. Homeland Security, Europol, Australian Federal Police, New Zealand Police, and the Israel Police. It lasted for over four years. Will Kerr of the NCA feels tech companies gave less than ideal cooperation with the police during the inquiry. Kerr maintains accounts were closed down, possibly preventing police identifying other victims and identifying patterns of offending. Kerr fears this may have delayed identifying offenders, and Kerr wants government action to make tech companies cooperate better in the future. The NCA detailed crimes such as blackmailing people into eating feces, licking toilet seats and tampons, and persuading people to eat dog food. They described him as one of the most prolific and depraved offenders they had ever encountered. On October 16, 2017, Falder pleaded guilty to 137 offenses against 46 victims, making him one of the most prolific sex offenders in British history. At Birmingham Crown Court on February 19, 2018, Judge Philip Parker sentenced Falder to serve a further six years on extended license after his release. 
Falder will not be eligible for parole until he is at least 50 years old, which would be in 2038. Jesus, <laughs> if the parole board believes that Falder continues to pose a danger to the public or to children, he may have to serve the full 32 years in prison. The judge at the sentencing hearing described Falder as an internet highwayman who was warped and sadistic and whose behavior was cunning, persistent, and manipulative and cruel. After sentencing, investigators released footage of his arrest and described how Falder reveled in the anguish and pain that he had caused. Falder is appealing against his own sentence. Raona Nguove of the CPS said Matthew Folder is a highly manipulative individual who clearly enjoyed humiliating his victims and the impact of his offending in this case has been significant. He deliberately targeted young and vulnerable victims. At least three victims are known to have attempted suicide and some others have inflicted self-harm. There was a high degree of sophistication and significant planning by Folder due to his use of encryption software and technology in his electronic communication and the use of multiple fake online identities and encrypted email addresses. Prosecutors stated Folder lived a double life. A graduate of Cambridge University and Birmingham University researcher during the day and a sexual predator at night. Police officer Matt Sutton said, In more than 30 years of law enforcement, I have never come across an offender whose sole motivation was to inflict such profound anguish and pain. Matthew Falder reveled in it. I've also never known such an extremely complex investigation with an offender who was technologically savvy and able to stay hidden in the darkest recesses of the dark web. This investigation represents a a watershed moment. Folder is not alone, so we will continue to develop and deliver our capabilities nationally for the whole law enforcement system to stop offenders like him from wrecking innocent lives. I commend the victims for their bravery, and I urge anyone who is being abused online to report it. There is help available, he said. And that is very true. This is simply just one man that they caught in a long line of countless others who enjoy the same sick fucking fucked up things that Matthew Falder does. Jabbed Khan of Bernardo stated, This 32-year prison sentence sends a message to pedophiles that they will pay for their crimes while hopefully giving other children, child abuse victims the confidence to come forward and seek justice. Bernardo wants to encourage parents to talk to their children about the potential dangers online and what new apps they're using and which websites they're visiting so they can help keep them safe. Barnados also wants tech companies to sign up to an online code of practice to protect children, incorporate safety features when designing products, and take action as soon as abuse becomes flagged. Children and young people need to know how to report abuse through age-appropriate relationships and sex education. The University of Cambridge stated after the sentencing that they were actively pursuing ways of stripping Falder of his academic qualifications. The university could not say if they were a precedent, if there was a precedent for a removal process for its alumni. So, unfortunately, that's all the time that I have for you on this episode. I told you it was going to be a short but sweet episode. Hopefully, you found something interesting or intriguing about these two cases that I have for you. Um, but stay tuned for next week's episode, which is going to be all about snuff. We dive just fucking headfirst in a big pool 
or vat of blood, if you will, into the whole topic of snuff, snuff films. And we talk about Peter Sully. And God, that guy's so fucked up. Um, like, honestly, he makes Matthew Graham and Matthew Folder not look as bad as they are. Because Peter Scully is just one fucked up individual. Um, so again, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Strange Talk Podcasts. Follow me there if you want to send me stuff to be, if you want to send me news articles to be featured in this week in crime episodes. You can do so at my email at strangetalkpodcast.outlook.com. What's that email again? It's strangetalkpodcast.outlook.com. Or you can send me a DM on Instagram at strangetalkpodcasts. Now, thank you again for listening to this episode of Strange Talk Podcast, but if you really want to help support the show and you can't really donate, why not send a recommendation to your friends, neighbors, family, whatever, what have you, because that's the biggest support that you can give to Strange Talk Podcast is by, you know, exposing it to other people, getting new listeners, getting new followers, doesn't matter what have you. So I'm going to knock out and go to sleep now. (laughs) It's very late. Um, So, yeah. Good night. And as always, stay strange.